This is um, Musician Backstory Beat. My name's Dennis O'Neill. Today my guest is Eddie Lambert. He's been involved in uh, music for over 40 years. He is the founder of the, the music group Access. Axis. Axis. A-X-I-S. Okay. Not and, Access. Uh, Axis like Jimi Hendrix, Axis Bold is Love. That's where exactly where we got it. And the front man. Yes. Okay. So, um, first of all, like, let's start at the beginning. So, how long have you been playing guitar, approximately? Since 1972. 1972. My math is bad. Okay. It's got to be over 40 years. That's over 40 years. It's a long time. So, um... What made you uh, want to pick up the guitar in the first place? Well, it's a strange story. Uh, my father played guitar. He, he just dabbled at it. And I asked for guitar for Christmas. And I had a, a neighbor who played the bass. He was older than me. I think he was like in 12th grade or something. Like and uh, he was all right. I asked him, what's the best guitar player in the world? He said, Jimi Hendrix. But I had never heard him. I mean, I just, you know, I, I've heard of Jimi Hendrix. But it's strange because really, if you were to tell me what made me really interested, it was Grand Funk Railroad. Okay. Even before Jimmy. Guitar player by the name of Mark Farner. I thought he was the greatest in the world. That was my first introduction to rock music. And uh, piqued my interest in playing the guitar. Right. Now, what, what was your first guitar? My first guitar was a Tisco, Del Rey. That's electric? Yes. Okay. That was my first guitar. Sears and Robux. $22. <laughs> okay. Got it for Christmas. And an amp, too. Yeah, it was an amp guitar package my father got me for Christmas. First song I learned to play was Steam from the Rifleman. Okay, how does that go? <laughs> 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 okay, that's... Chuck Connors, right? Yes, sir. Still watch it. Yes. Okay. That's yes. that's a good opening scene. Yes. <laughs> Magnificent opening scene. I always love the English horns. So, um, did you take lessons? No, never took lessons. Not formal lessons, as you would say, like from a, a you know, a institute or. Now, I did take violin at in uh, the third and fourth grade. But I didn't know what I was doing, but I was told I was very good by my music teacher, Miss Richardson. She's probably okay. dead now by now, but she came to my house one Sunday morning for breakfast. I didn't know it. I thought I was in trouble, but she wanted to talk to my parents because she wanted to get me into the Camden County All-City Orchestra because she thought I was that good. It's a bunch of elementary schools from Camden mm -hmm. County that got together. The music teachers got together and picked their best students to make an orchestra. Camden County City Orchestra. It's all elementary kids. I played in that. That was my first experience with music. You played violin. That was my first instrument. I was third or fourth grade. So you took formal lessons? Oh well, Miss Richards, yes. That was in, yes, that was the music program at Parkside Elementary School in Camden, New Jersey. Yes, Miss Richards. Miss Richards, yes. Right. Now there's no frets on the violin. So no. So it's... I didn't know. <laughs> My father, had, you know, kind of wanted me to do it. 
Oh, you know, why not? Because I, I think I wanted to play the trumpet. I don't know. But I mean, uh, I got the violin. And, uh, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really listening to the music. You know, I was just reading the notes, which I can't read music now at this day for tablature and so forth. But that 10, I was able to read music, violin music, treble clef, you know, and uh, I understand that was pretty good. Right. So, um, now was. Couldn't play the violin at all now if you gave it to me. No? Okay. But, no, I tried and. Didn't work. It's similar. It's not similar to the guitar at all. It's only four strings. But it's um, every good boy does fine, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, the staff. My right. dog has fleas. That's how you tune. What it. strings are the violin? They're, they're oh, not. I can't remember. My yeah, dog right. has fleas. I think it was E A D and G. Yeah, and then F A C E. I feel, that's face. That's the spaces in the music. Yes. I learned all of that. Treble clef. Yes. Yes. So, um, now, um, you said the Grand Funk Railroad, that was the guy. My who... first introduction to rock music, yes. Mark Farner on lead guitar, Mel Shocker on bass, Dan Brewer on the drums. Don Brewer on the drums, I'm sorry. Grand Funk Railroad, very popular at that time. We're talking about late 60s, early 70s. I'm sure you've, your, yeah. your listeners have heard of Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, yeah, I'm quite yeah. sure. Locomotion. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Their big hit was an American band. Uh, that was their biggest hit, but I got into the early albums, you know. Uh, the Red Album, uh, Closer to Home, Grand Funk Live at the Atlanta Pop Festival. Yes. Now, did you learn all their songs when you started? Well, that's all I played. So I, you know, I tried it. I thought he was great. I was, because that was above my level because I had just started playing the guitar. Right, I'm yeah. Playing a theme from the Rifleman, for God's sakes. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I thought Mark, Mark Farner was, I thought that was it. And then it was Buddy Miles. And then one day, my bass player, I mentioned his name, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, um, it's my first time we all got instruments for Christmas because back in those days, it was no hip hop, it was no rap. Everybody had to play there, you know, instruments and there's some of my friends that got musical instruments for Christmas I was in a band the day that I got a guitar we started a band Christmas Day December 25th 1972 that was my first band you were in a band the day you got the a guitar the day that I got a guitar what was it Jeffrey name? Wells got a set of drums okay John Bernie got a bass and uh, we went to Jeffrey's basement because Santa Claus had set his drums up and he couldn't move them. And we played under the Christmas tree with Jeffrey Set. First song we played was Heartbeat and we made it up. Only had two notes to it, but right. we thought we were good. First gig we did was at the Lawnside Firehouse. 1972, I reckon. Really? We played the Camden County Recreational Center, which I don't think is there anymore, and various uh, high school assemblies. When Camden High... And uh, Woodrow Wilson, we did. We played high school assemblies. Now, how are you learning the guitar you know nothing about? How are you learning chords? Are you like Well, what happened books? was, yes. Well, no. Well, the books didn't do it. Because at that time, it was only Mel Bay, the Mel Bay right. Guitar Instructional Book. And it was no tablature back in those days. Right. It was just a note, Sparkling Stella, uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I learned right. absolutely nothing from the books. But what I learned from was there was a guy who's older than us. He was in 11th or 12th grade. His name was Butch Thompson. And we thought Butch 
Because back then it was cool in the gang, uh, signing Family Stone. It was chords and rhythm, not much a lead. Because at that time, Jimi Hendrix had only been dead for a year or so. And he wasn't as popular as he is now. And he was like taboos, acid rock, it was drug music and scared of that. My first uh, hero was James Brown. I mean, I was a little kid, fifth grade, wasn't playing anything, but I loved James Brown. I loved him. But of course, as I said, when I got the guitar, it's Grand Funk Railroad. I liked um, Freddie Stone from Sly and the Family Stone mm -hmm. and Clady Smith from Cool and the Gang. Oh. That was my uh, earliest, that was one of my earliest influences. Yeah, I thought that that was good. Wow, Wow Pedal it came out. Because back then, a Wow Wow Pedal had a siren sound, which was not musical at all. Now, Wow Wow Pedal in those days, they were cheap. And Cry Baby? No, no they didn't have, we didn't, I didn't have one. We had a cheap Wow Wow Pedal. Okay. It had a siren on it. I mean, people with the guitar players are old enough to know. It had a siren on it. Just surf move, sound, wow, wow. Okay. and it had fuzz. Everything okay. was all in, in one. Oh, right, okay. Almost useless, but we used it. Right. So then, well, what was your introduction to Jimi Hendrix? How oh, that's, I'll never forget that for as long as I live. As I mentioned earlier, Brian Kelly. We were in ninth or 10th grade. And Brian Kelly had an uncle named Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy was a drug addict. He was on heroin back in those days. He had a do-rag on. He was he was in the drugs. And, you know, we were kind of, we, the kids kind of knew that, but one day I got my allowance. Daddy gave me $5, and I went down to play with Brian, and his uncle was there, and he wanted that $5. He sold me a stack of albums. You can't see it, but what's that, about eight inches stack of albums? Mm-hmm. He saw it because he wanted that five dollars so he could get his fix, and I gave it to him. He gave me a stack of albums, right. and in that album, it's Grand Funk Railroad. Oh. Three albums I can remember: Closer to Home, The Red Album, and On Time. Those were the three albums that he gave me. It was also Buddy Miles. I remember this: Express Weight to Your Skull, which was Buddy Miles' first album. Mm -hmm. Message to the People. It was various albums, and in there was Band of Gypsies, Jimi Hendrix. Okay. So, of course, I went home, and I put on Grand Funk Railroad because of the album cover, because I didn't know. Right. And then I think he had Axis, Bold as Love. I remember I got him two albums, and I put on Axis first, and it was EXP. I don't know if your listeners might know EXP, which is all sound noise. The first cut, side one, of Axis, Bold as Love, where incidentally we got the name of the band from. And that was my first introduction to Jimi Hendrix. So what did you think when you heard this guy I for thought the first it was, time? I thought it, was, I thought it was horrible and scary and frightening. Really? And I thought that he was, oh, he was on drugs. <laughs> I mean, I always had the worst impression of Jimi Hendrix. Because right. back then, you couldn't see him. There was no A-tracks. I mean, there was no uh, VCRs back then. You know, he wasn't right. in the movies yet. It was always, it was always posters that you saw. Right. You never saw him actually move or... You know, because there was no film at that time. Right. And I always had to leave it to my imagination. And there was a lot of crap that was circulated about Jimi Hendrix back then. Right. Which was 99% negative. Right. My father hated him. Right. Was like acid because rock. of the Star Spangled Banner. There's a lot of people oh. back in those days that thought that was sacrilege. Really? The way he Woodstock. did it. 
Yes, well, he had done that several times before, but of course, we know the famous rendition was Woodstock. But he had started doing that before. You know, he played Star Spangled Banner in his set before. But of course, we know the Woodstock set was the most historical and impactful, uh, and the most the introduction to the, to the the country of how he did the Star Spangled Banner. My father hated it. Was your father in the military? No, he just yes, he was in the Army in World War II. He drove a truck for the Red Ball Express. You can look that up. And uh, he didn't go into combat because, of course, black soldiers weren't welcome into combat. They were used primarily for service. Uh, that was what my father for. He would dig holes. and He was a photographer in the Army, but primarily it was basically manual labor. So um, you, you said Hendrix scared you, but what, when did you come I was around? because of the stories that I heard in the, the album cover looks so frightening, you know, if anybody's familiar with the axis. I have a, if you look over there, there's a, well, you can't see it, but that rug that I have on the floor is the uh, re uh, replication of the axis album. If you'll notice on the album, for people who know what I'm talking about, you see Jimi Hendrix, Mitch, uh, Mitchell, and Noel Redding surrounded by Egyptian, excuse me, Indian gods, the Hindu gods of fire, the gods of war, god of evil, Shiva, Gehenshaw, the elephant god. Because they made a mistake when they hear an interview like I'm doing now, they misunderstood. When he said he had Indian blood in him, they thought it was Asian Indian and not American Indian. Oh. So they did the album cover to reflect that. Jimmy said, no, not that type of Indian, but he loved the album cover, so they left it. That's a true story, by the way. Really? So they left it, and we have it, a historical album cover. Access, bold as love. Right. It was my first introduction to Jimi Hendrix. At EXP, as I said. And, th now, and then you were like, you know, floored by him eventually? Floored by him. No, when I was mesmerized by mesmerized. him, simply because of his pictures. The way, he oh, the way he looked, he looked like a, I mean, he never took a bad picture. If you notice in some of his famous posters, he looks like a god. He's a well, good-looking guy. He got a lot of girls, remember, right? Oh, well, yes, there's <laughs> a lot of stories about that. I've done, I've, those boxes are full of his biographies. I think that I've read everything, right. uh, every biography about him. Totally immersed in him for years. I had to go to uh, my uh, guidance counselor, came to high school because I would take the belt out of my robe, you know, the jab, and I'd tie it around my head. It'd be like Jimi Hendrix, and I had posters of him in my locker. I got into fights about him, because back then, came to high school was primarily a black school, and back then, Jimi Hendrix, oh, that's white boy music. What are you doing? Right. You should be listening to, I think Earth, Wind & Fire only had like two albums out at the time when I was in high school. What was going on back then, when I was in high school, uh, for us, which was heavy music, right. was Santana. Led Zeppelin, I think. Led Zeppelin only had two albums out. Uh, you got to remember, we're talking early 70s. Right. Okay, Led Zeppelin only had two or three albums out when I got into Led Zeppelin. Santana only had two albums out. The yeah, first one in Abraxas. I got into it, and I'm thankful that I grew up at those times when I saw my heroes as they just, you know, they just came out. You know, all these guys are my heroes, and I follow them. You know, my favorite bands weren't even to get rushed. They weren't even together then. Right, that's my favorite. No, band. they weren't even rushed. Didn't come out till uh, mid seventies.
No, I, 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 was, I was very fortunate to be able to see the development and the introduction to a lot of the bands that are icons now that right. just started back then, and I got to see them develop. And I'm very thankful for that. Right, I mean, that was like the best time of music. Oh, yes, it was the best time Even of music. 68, that. I mean, this is when rock bands were starting to make big money. Right. And it's interesting because I'm sure your listeners have heard of Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa yeah. did an interview about that. He said back then, they were old guys. Old guys with cigars that didn't, they didn't know nothing about nothing. They said, well, listen, let's see what happens. They weren't worried about airplay. They weren't worried about, well, if this is good for the market or, or politically correct. They we were experimenting. Let's throw it out there. You're running, uh, Lenny, Lenny from uh, Motorhead said, oh, what yeah. you got to do, you're running up the flagpole and see if somebody salutes it. And that's what they did. And that's why the music, what, 68, what, 68, 69, that's when the heavy rock bands, instead of rock and roll, it's rock now. And they're starting to make money. They're make, playing arenas. They're playing auditoriums now. Wow. Back in the Little Richard days, they were playing, what, the Chitlin Circuit, bars and barbecues and Chitlin joints. Now, it's getting to the point where the music is going into auditoriums and stadiums. We know the Beatles from right. Shea Stadium. They right. weren't prepared for that. It's a historical fact that John Lennon said we couldn't even hear ourselves because right. they only had little lamps. They yeah. were in Shea Stadium. What was that? Two million people there, and there was so much screaming that right. you, they couldn't hear themselves. Right. That's why they, they couldn't quit. hear themselves. They quit touring. Yes, and they reason. exactly they quit touring. What what's the point? Right. But back then they didn't have the sound systems and the guitar effects and the things that we have now. They weren't prepared for that. Right. Thank God for the Beatles. Right, I'm a big Beatles fan. Oh, yeah, you got to be. If you're into any type of rock music, you have to at least respect the Beatles and the Stones for that matter. I mean, today even, even my kids, they like the Beatles. Everybody know? knows the Beatles. If you go to a Stones concert, you have everybody from 16 to 65 there right. and even older because they've been around so long. People don't go to Stones show to hear and play because sometimes they get a little sloppy. You go for the event. <laughs> Just okay. to be there because they're icons. Just to say you've seen Mick Jagger. I know. Um, they were touring this summer, but... And he's getting old. He had, what, he had to go to the hospital. Surgery. I had tickets. I, I'm yes. Not, but you I'm, know that guy? <laughs> Mick Jagger, I respect him because he works out. He he's works like out. He eats well. Yes. If you look at him. Or something you look at him. He's set. What is he? 70? 72 yes. at least. Look at him on the stage. There's another guy, Bruce Chicken. Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Oh, Iron Maiden, yeah. Incredible. He's like godlike He's, on stage. He got back with them. He have never really left them. Yes. Bit, I was yeah. a big David Lee Roth fan. But oh, look yeah. what happened to him. He couldn't make it, man, because the drinking and the girls. And he has yeah. to have his hip is busted because he's jumping off. He did. He worked so hard. Wasn't that very good a singer? There's a difference between a rock star and a musician. Right. There's a difference. Do you like Sammy Hagar better? Well, now listen, and the listener, get, listen, get Van that. Halen, I don't want to waste your time, I got nah, you. That's fine. Van Halen, when I heard Eddie Van Halen for the first time, I was in Howard University in the uh, college dormitory doing my homework, and I had a radio on, and he said, oh, w, I forget the name of it, DC 101. Okay. <laughs> got a new debut album out, Van Halen, and then when they hear, if I, you listeners know, it's a truck. It was a truck horn, by the way. Boom, boom, boom. Running from the devil. 
I was blown away right then. And after right. that, remember it was the eruption? Okay. I was blown away. I wanted to quit playing the guitar. I go, I come out of the room because <laughs> a bass player lived down the hall from me. We came out of the room at the same time because he listens to one on one. Right? Did you hear that? You know, no, I thought the guy was. I thought the guy's name was Van Halen, okay. not Dave. You know, I thought the the guys that playing the guitar, you know, the singing was Van Halen. I thought it was a guy. Okay. But I mean, I was Van Halen to this day, other than Jimmy is the epitome for me of a rock band of what I want to do. I mean, David Lee Roth was my hero. Right. I didn't care if he couldn't sing. He sang good enough for me. Right. You know, he was the ringmaster, you know. Well, when you say front camps. man, that's Dave. There's he can't do none of that. Sammy and then there's Dave. Well, Sammy, well, wait a minute. I'm, I, listen, have a better rock I got them all. Now, Sammy, <laughs> now listen. Sammy was a musician. Sammy right. played the guitar. Yeah. He had the balls to be able to trade licks with Eddie Van Halen on stage. He got cut to pieces, but he held his own. Right. Okay? <laughs> Sammy has a much better voice than Dave. Yeah. But people get upset because Dave is the voice of Van Halen. Dave, listen, Sammy yeah. had to do some Dave songs, but Dave never did any Sammy songs. Right. <laughs> Didn't have to. What right. did Dave say? I don't want to make this about David Lee Roth, but That's he was my hero. Right. Dave said, look, Music. Sammy throws a party. Here's the difference between me and this what he said. Sammy will throw a party, but I am the party. <laughs> I love Dave. Dave would say stuff like, yeah, okay. you get a lot of these rock bands, because back then, you remember the hair band? Everybody was coming uh, out. Yeah, as long as you had a hair band you and you looked like a woman, you were signed. Motley Crue. Yes, all of them. <laughs> well, Motley Crue, Dave, that's different. We're talking about bands like Faster Pussycat. Poison. Hit po okay, well, Poison, I give a little yeah. bit of respect. The pop metal, okay? Right. And Dave would say, yeah, you got a lot of them. He would say, here today, going later today. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Right. And that's how it was. Just like hip-hop is now. You get one rap artist, they make one album, gone. That's how it is. I only, I listen, the same music that I listen to now it's the same sh stuff that I listened to in high school. I listened to this. I listened to the same thing. I still got my albums over there, as you can see. Right. Still listen to Grand Funk. Still listen to Buddy Miles, Pat Travers, Robin Trower. Oh yeah. Robin sure. Trower. The guitar players now that I enjoy, I like Steve Vai. Okay. I like Eric Gales, who I had the pleasure of meeting. Eric Johnson, who I met before. And even though people think that he's a poser and he's an asshole, but he's got a bad... But Ingve Malmsteen. Ingve Malmsteen. They love him. say he has an attitude or something. He does. <laughs> he insulted Richie Blackmore, which he shouldn't have done. Okay. He, he said he did eruption. Eddie Van Halen's eruption. At the end, he yawned. Like, has to, yes, it was the nerve, you know. Uh, well, he's I, mean, you know I mean, everybody took the tap into another limit. You know, everybody took the tap. He and, do that yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. But what did Ingve do? Did he do anything new? He took classical music and, and put it 80s, to guitar. Right. <laughs> okay? Yes. Neoclassical, he found. Oh, like uh, Paganini or something. Yes, yeah, Paganini. Paganini. Nikolai Paganini was his influence. Right. But who has heard of Nikolai Paganini unless you're in classical music? But granted, the speed and accuracy that he has. Okay? Right. And it's, I, I mean, you, you go to his concerts, it's all guitar players. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a Billboard top 10 hit, and he never will have one. No. But still, I mean, when you're talking about the elite of electric guitarists nowadays, Ingve has to, whether you like him or not, he is a poser, 
You know, he still wears spandex pants, you know. He still, you know, wears the rings and all that stuff. Nowadays, you don't have to do that. You Like the Foo Fighters and the rest of them guys, they go on stage with sneakers on. And Yngwie doesn't like that, you know. Right. And to tell you the truth, I understand it. I used to love the way they dressed back in the 80s. I used to uh-huh. love it with the chains. <laughs> okay. And the rings. Yeah. You know, you dress to impress, man. Nowadays, you, they don't do that anymore. Jimmy well, yeah, was well, never I mean, a hippie. The grunge, they went the yeah, other it's, way. It's, that's why they got the name, because it's grungy. But I liked the grunge era in the 90s was when I stopped oh. listening to I liked it. Oh, I liked Nirvana Pearl Jam. And all Pearl no, Jam. not no. You like Nirvana? No, but I mean, I appreciate it. It was all noise to me. But I liked Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam there was a band called Candlebox. Oh, Candlebox. And even, yes, but they disappeared. They had one song. Yeah. They had one album. album. That's it. But I loved Alice them. in Chains. No. Alice in Chains. But they were in the, you know, the heroin thing. and oh. But I loved it. Oh, what yeah. is it? Stone Temple Pilots, even oh, though yeah. they said Stone they copied off of Pearl. Loved them. I love that era. I yeah, even like Marilyn Manson. That was the last era of music. To me. To me. Now, right now, I mean, after that, in the 21st century, the only oh, one that I could have respect right. for was Prince. That's it. I'm sorry to say. Did sorry. Did you ever hear this group called Greta Van Fleet? Yes, Greta Van Fleet, which Robert Plant, listen. Robert Plant and Zeppelin fans, they hate him for some reason. Because he sound like Zeppelin. Well, so what? Everybody. everybody Too much. They I mean, what I'm saying is, look at Whitesnake. Okay? Robert Plant would, would, would disparage them. They're just copying off of us, which they really wasn't. But, I mean, you could see. I mean, but, you know, Robert Plant, you know, even though he's my hero, he's got to excuse us for sounding like his band because he set the template. Anybody that plays that guitar over five, and uses any type of effect, go owes Jimi Hendrix a debt. And it's as simple as that. And Jimmy Page? Well, Jimmy Page didn't really use that much effects. No. I mean, he had a wah-wah and all, but what I'm saying is, if you listen to yeah. Jimmy Page's solos, some people would say that he's sloppy. Some people say that Jimmy uh, was... A, some people would say that Jimmy always went out of tune. Sure. Heartbreaker, not ball breaker. Um, Jimi Hendrix would be, come out of tune. I have, see, if you see, if you look over there... That book over there that I have on top of the Chester drawer, that's all Jimi Hendrix bootleg concerts from various points of his concert. Yeah. Some of it... Put that out. Well, no, <laughs> some of it is not worth putting out because like he's, he's either... Uh, what? Like, for example, uh, Madison Square Garden, the last show at Band of Gypsies. He was dosed with acid uh, and he couldn't finish the set. I have a lot of those shows where you could tell that he's not feeling good. Uh, they didn't have tuners back in those days. They didn't have interlocking systems back then. They didn't have Floyd Rose tremolos back then. They didn't have the gear that they have then. People don't realize that Jimmy only used no more than two or three pedals. Now, if you see Steve Vai, yo, you got a Univibe, Wah Wah, Fuzz Face. That's all Jimmy used. That's it. When he first started his career, he just used a Fuzz Face. He had no Wah Wah. If you listen to the first album, Our Experience, there's no wah-wah in that at all. There's no... All the effects he did with his amp and his guitar. I mean, they had different tracks. Right. But that was all. They had no flangers and compressors back in those days. Right. No. All right. that stuff was invented wah-wah. because of him. Yes. The wah-wah, he did not... Actually, the first recording... If I'm not mistaken, of course, your listeners can probably write a letter. The first recording, first guy to bring the wah-wah out... Popular was Eric Clapton, Tales of oh. Brave Ulysses, 
White Room, which was before Jimmy. Cream came out before Jimmy. Right. They wrote, and people don't know this, Sunshine of Your Love was written for Jimi Hendrix. You can ask Jack Bruce. He, they wrote that song hoping that Jimmy would take it and do it. Who wrote That's it? That's the truth. Jack Bruce and Eric Clapton wrote it. It's credited for all three of them, Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, and Eric Clapton. But as we know that... Uh, you know, Jack Bruce primarily was the better singer in Cream and did most of the vocals for the hits. That was Jack yeah. Bruce doing the lead oh, really? vocals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eric Clapton, of course, you know, he was the god. Uh, he was God. But god Jack Bruce, god. Jack Bruce <laughs> mainly did the, uh, the, uh, the vocals. Jack Bruce was the singer. Jack Bruce, in effect, was the front man of Cream. Right. You know, because he did was most... Clapton behind. He didn't really sing. Clapton, well, then. he sung. He sung. He Later sang on. Crossroads. He sang Crossroads. Yeah. But we're talking about White Room. He was room. more shy. Yes, okay. Tales of Brave Ulysses. Uh, Sunshine of Your Love, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, their biggest hit. Sunshine of Your Love. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Yeah, Getting Near Dawn. That's the most iconic. Riff. That's the most iconic. Yes. You hear it in guitar stories everywhere. That and Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water and... Uh, yes, Heavy Metal. <laughs> heavy Metal in those days. I don't even think they called it heavy. They called no, it they hard call rock. Heavy metal? But no, it was deep purple. That was the 80s. I liked it when. Or, uh, yeah, yes. Black Sabbath. Yes, well, Black Sabbath was always. I, I got there. They only had. The first album I got from Black Sabbath was Master's Reality. That was the first my introduction. And I remember the smell of the album from the record store. It had a smell to it. Smelled like drugs. At least I thought. <laughs> you just smell it. Wow, you could smell what it. What kind of drugs? You open up the album. He sm it had a smell to it. I don't know. Masters of Reality. Then I got Volume Force. So I was a big Black Sabbath fan. I'm not anymore because now that I know that Ozzy was not a very good singer. You don't think? No. No. I, I mean, thought he Dio was for better. the genre. Dio. Well, Dio, Dio would cut him to pieces. Really good. But as I said about Dave, Ozzy was Black Sabbath. Can't take that. Sammy might have been a better musician, but Dave was Van Halen. You'd have to agree. Um, okay, but I kind of like hit Sammy better, but... Sammy's a better musician. I mean, it's just like both. They made yeah. just as many platinum albums as Dave did. Equal, as a matter of fact. You they had 16 Eddie albums there, released. So it doesn't well, Eddie, well, see, Eddie screwed that band up. I don't want to talk okay. about it. Eddie screwed that band up. If you read uh, some of the interviews and you hear the, you know, it was Eddie that screwed. Everybody thinks it was Dave, but it was Eddie that screwed that band up. It was Eddie. I mean, you have to look at it. I don't know. You know, you threaten the guys. What about Alex? Did he have anything? Alex was Eddie's brother. Alex would back up Eddie in anything he right. did. Period. Mike was just there. Anthony. Oh, Michael okay. Anthony was there, the bass player for yeah. Van Halen. He was there because he was glad to be there, and I don't blame him. Right. But he if you listen to Michael, success. Michael Anthony was a <laughs> like neutral. He was a neutral part in Van Halen, and I listen to what Mike says on his interviews. I listen to him. You know, I said what he's saying has got to be the truth because he don't have no axe to grind, and he's on Sammy's side, by the way. And you say you like Sammy better. He was a better uh, musician. He, was, like he had a better songs, voice. The I mean, songs were deep about pollution and the things I mean, that were going like, on today. Uh, right now. Uh, yes, right song. now. Top of the world. Dave only sang about pussy and and getting the <laughs> party in. That's all he wrote about. If you well, think about Dave, think of the songs that he sang. They're great songs. But they're fun songs. Yeah, Sammy's okay. songs is cerebral. 
I mean, you ever hear of Belectotherium? I don't know if you ever... It's a little cut on... Uh, not 51. On Lawful Carmel. No, I think it was the Red Album. Not on Lawful Carmel. It said Belectotherium. I forget. The one they did before they got that Gary guy in the band. The last one Sammy did with him. I'm not sure. I forget. They had a song Don't called... Belect- Eddie Van Halen's only instrumental other than Eruption. It's called Belectotherium. Okay. You know? Sammy had a piece of that. Sammy did Standing on Top of the World, which makes me, when I hear that song, it makes me want to run down the street in my underwear, man. I mean, it's just, <laughs> hell's, hey, baby, <laughs> it makes you feel good. But Dave's songs made me feel good, too. I mean, Van Halen made you feel good, man. They made you feel good. They made you uh-huh. happy. Yes. Well, I mean, Eddie smiling. You ever see Eddie perform? He's always got a grin on his face. They loved what they were doing. That's what you have to do. Eddie smiling, playing the leads. Dave jumping around. I don't want to make this about Van Halen. Okay, let's Go get ahead. back to yes. Eddie Lambert. Yes, sir. Now, what happened? Um, so after you're learning guitar, you're playing these bands in high school. So. What made you want to be a musician? Where'd you go next? I wanted to, I wanted to, well, I, I like to, you know, I, girls. I mean, it made you popular, you know. I mean, it was Jimi Hendrix. It was my primary influence. We had a band, my first real, well, okay. real band. The first band that I wanted to get serious about, we called it War Heroes. Oh. It was Jerry Brown on the drums right. and Doug Kirshner on the bass guitar. I just hope, I haven't seen him in years, but. You know, it was war heroes. We had one gig at a place called Foster's Military Lodge in Willingboro, New Jersey. And it was a band called Funkologists and Mebius were there. But they put us on, I mean, I didn't understand why, because they were so much better than us, and they were older than us. A guy by the name of Charles Jackson, who was our quote-unquote manager, put us up there, and our bass player got nervous and intimidated and did not want to play because he was intimidated by the other bands. And I had to get up there by myself, me and Jerry with drums. And I just did the Star Spangled Banner and we got off. I never will forget that because he he just choked. Kevin Jackson! I don't know where he is now, but he choked. He was so good in the garage. Right. Some people get that way, I mean. He's nervous, right? Yeah, I mean, intimidated. He wasn't nervous. We can't go on after them. Why not? So yeah. what? I mean, yeah, they were good. So what? So what? I don't know. War Hero? Now, when, how that was the name we... of the band? I was what? 16 years old. Oh, wow. 17. 16 or 17. Yeah, 11th grade. Okay. 11th and 12th grade. Yeah, War Heroes. We played at uh, Burlington Township High School in the gym for assembly. Yeah. That's why I hate Burlington Township High School to this day because of that. Now, that only lasted one gig? Or is that what you're saying? That wasn't really the gig. It's high school assembly. Right. So yeah. then... Uh, Play until the bell rings. So yeah. after that, uh, or did you stay with that? After that, it was a dead spell. Oh, okay. After that, um, after that, I was just playing with myself. Oh, that didn't sound... <laughs> I was playing, you know, just, okay. just at home. Jamming with people that had drums or something. Right. It was like a year. Then I joined the service. I joined the oh. army. Oh, and I didn't that. play at all. Right. And I got out and I met uh, Miss Carmen Marie, who's my girlfriend, who introduced me to a lot of musicians. Uh, Pretty Poison. 
Uh, oh wait, so- Jade Starling. Huh? Jade Starling, Pretty Poison. Oh, I guess so. I mean, I didn't know who they were. Well, we're talking about 1983, 84. Yeah, yeah, it was like a new yes, wave. Yes, and they moved out of their house, and we moved into their house. Okay? We were <laughs> squatting, actually, to tell you the truth. Really? And I met, you know, Carmen had a band called A Higher Source. They were a professional band. Right. And that's when I learned from Charlie Hill, who was my, who, who was my bass player at one point in a band called Universal Rhythm in Camden, New Jersey. Ernest Tootin, this was like 1973-74. I got a lot of cramming in and then I went to Washington DC in 1975 and that's where I learned uh, about other forms of music. Jazz fusion was all I listened to. Jazz fusion. No, we're talking about Chick Corea, Return to Forever, Mahavishnu Orchestra, uh, Lenny White, Alfonso Johnson, Brand X, we were listening. I was listening to nothing but fusion, wow. and I got into a fusion band oh, at that wow. time. But we never played a gig until we played Howard University. Uh, they had a student day. We played out there. We were all students. I used to hang out at the Fine Arts Building. But I was a chemistry pre-med major. That's another story. Then wow. after I got kicked out of Howard University, I didn't want to leave D.C. because I loved it so much, and I ran into uh, they're called Bad Brains now, but they were called Mind Power at the time, and they had a friend by the name of Julian Cambridge. They were all Rastafarians. I was the only American. And uh, I learned a lot about reggae music then. I was in a band called the Lionhearts with Julian Cambridge. They did a recording called Ya Rastafari in 19, uh, I'm trying to think, 1990, something like that. Oh. But now, of course, they're known. I was in their house in uh, Virginia, and they wouldn't let me eat McDonald's. I remember that because they were Rastas and they just believed in smoking weed and eating uh, grapes or whatever. I don't know what it was. But it was Bad Brains. They're a very famous punk rock band now. Yeah. They're one of the uh, predecessors. Bad Brains. They influenced Living Color. They influenced Fishbone, 24-7 Spies. Bad Brains. If your listeners ever, right. you know, look them up. They were influenced by... Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols, oh, but they okay. put punk rock to a higher level because of the musical. If anybody go on YouTube, I Against I, they call their music Yah Music, J-A-H, half reggae, half punk rock. Really? There's excellent. such a thing. Yes. I mean, you know, they, <laughs> you have this a cult following, but I'm sure your <laughs> listeners who are into this, they know who Bad Brains is. They got banned from a club. They had, my first album was called Band in D.C. They got banned in the club because punk rock, they, they would make them go nuts. They would, you ever heard of yeah, it? What right. do you call it? When they bang into each other and oh, hit each other? Oh, slam dance. Yes. That's when it first started. They yeah, claim that they started it, and I believe it because yeah. we're talking 1983, 84. Black Flag. Was that Black one? Flag, yes. That's one of them. What's that? Okay, a rock? Sid Vicious. Oh, um, yeah, that's a sex pistol. Um, yes, uh, man. The Bollocks. Uh, uh, Susie, I forget her name. Susie something, I forget. Plasmatics, you remember? Yeah, there's a lot of them. But we're talking about CBGBs in New York. Oh, right, inside. with uh, the Ramones. And yeah, all the Ramones. Things. Yes. Punk cool. rock. But of course, we think that the Sex Pistols were the purveyors of punk rock when actually it was Iggy Pop and the Stooges, in oh, my right. opinion. The Stooges. In my humble opinion, Iggy Pop and the Stooges were the first punk rock band. They might not have called themselves that. Right. But hey, you gotta, if oh, you've ever well, seen film, 
or yeah. music of Iggy Pop. Kinda. Really? Iggy Pop and the Stooges. He was known for cutting himself with broken yeah, glass on stage. He was a nut. Wear a shirt. He was a nut. <laughs> he was a nut. Yeah, was uh, was he from Chicago? He was from Detroit, Flint, Michigan. Detroit, that's it. Flint, Michigan. He was. There's another group. Of Some of your listeners will probably, but Ted Nugent was from Michigan. He had a lot of bands. Was Ted Nugent? That's yes. more uh, heavy metal. Kinda. No, you know, heavy. Well, Nugent well, hard would probably rock. stab you in the head if you call him heavy metal. Well, hard rock. <laughs> Cat scratch fever. Yes, guitar or this is say loud guitar orientated music. Put it that way. So now you're like in the '90s. What are you doing next? Uh, oh, well, the '90s. '90s was a dead spot at the time because I was on drugs then, and uh, I think that I was just doing whatever I could. It was a horrible period during the '90s. Yeah. The '90s, you know, I I would block out mostly. Um, then I met Michael Fuchesky. Uh, oh man, I'm sorry, but it's okay. I don't think he cared. Michael Fuchesky changed my life. He focused me. He convinced me to do a Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix oh, tribute. Oh, this is when the Hendrix yes. thing started. And I didn't want to do it because back then it was only Elvis impersonators. Okay. And uh, I didn't, I, I just didn't want to do it. He talked me into doing it. Okay. But he expanded it. He made me wear wigs and the costumes. Mike put me on the map, I have to tell him that, but I was such an asshole, I would refuse to, to wear, I said, well, I don't want to, you know, I, you know, Jimi Hendrix's pants don't have pockets, because we were doing a Monterey Pop Festival recreation, oh. where Jimmy had the red pants on, and the famous and fest, Monterey uh, Pop Festival, we don't want to. Well, he set the guitar on Yes, okay. Right. Mike wanted to do an exact recreation. Wow. From head to toe, even the every instruments. Every song. Every song. He was very much a stickler for that. Three guys. He was mostly about appearance. He said, you got to look like him. Right. Because back then it was only Elvis, and there was a band called Beatlemania. Okay. Oh, yeah, which they were the only, and they didn't even call them tributes. They called them impersonators, which is kind of a... Now it's tribute. And now it's tribute now. I like to say homage, but whatever. Okay. But uh, Mike talked me into doing that, and uh, we started doing it. It was Axis. And then, Mike, we started to get, things started to roll, so uh, he wanted to get rid of the guys that I was with, you know, because they didn't look, they wouldn't wear the costumes, and they didn't look like Mitch Mitchell. He wanted people to look like the musicians that played with Jimi Hendrix. He would hire musicians, not if they were good, but what they looked like. Could they fit? Were they fat for Buddy Miles? Did they have the granny glasses? I'd like to mention Jimmy Durso. Uh, who's in New York City, teaches music in New York University. He was the best at it, no offense to Johnny Boy, because who's plays with me now. But he looked, and he spelled his name, J-I-M-I, and he looked like Noel Reddy. And he was a bass player that liked Jimi Hendrix. Perfect for me. Perfect, but he lived in New York. And that's when we started doing New York gigs. Then I would like to mention Jimmy Jackson, who did a fine buddy, Miles, and uh, it's for Steve Lero, Steve Supreme. He didn't look like Mitch Mitchell, but he's one of the best drummers that I ever had. Jeff Ferrillo, who passed away, God rest his soul. And we were Bold as Love now. That was the name of the band? That group? was the name of the band. Oh, bold as Love we're now, because Mike had investors. And he got us all, and Mike put us on the map. Excuse me. Mike put, us on the, put me on the map anyway. If it hadn't been for Mike Fichesky, who is now managing an excellent band, 
called Kiss the Sky. <laughs> called Kiss the Sky. They had to change the name of the band because they wanted to. I mean, like I said, I'm not bitter about it because I got hit by a car and I got cancer and I was sick. You got Mike, hit by a car. Yes, that was a terrible time. Yes. I got. I don't know if you can't see that. I had suck oh, right yeah. there. Oh yeah! Oh my God! I was I was I was banged up pretty bad, and they had gigs coming up, oh, and they got the uh, the fabulous Jimmy Blue to take my place. <laughs> Jimmy okay. Blue, you can go see them. They'll be playing at the Burlington Crony Amphitheater. I'm to be gracious here on August nineteenth. Yeah. Burlington County Amphitheater. I will be there, front row center. What is it? This is Burlington County. This is Kiss the Sky. They call themselves. Is that another Hendrix tribute? Yes, he's the guy that took my oh, place. Mike is going to kill it. me for this. They changed the name. Excuse me, well. Uh, yes, Mike actually came up with the name "Bold as Love." I didn't come up with that name. Okay. Mike took entire control of my career, okay. and he did very well. But when I got hit by a car and I went through my depression and my suicide attempt and my drugs, after that I was just miserable, and that didn't help. But it did. I don't blame Mike Fichetsky at all. He right. did what he had to do. Right. And they're a fine band. It's just that I will never, ever burn a guitar on stage. Never, ever, ever will I ever do that. It's mindless mimicry. Yeah. I will not wear a, gig, a wig anymore. Right. I'm not going to do that. It's picking pennies off a dead man's eye. I like to turn on mods. We're doing a Hendrix tribute uh, May 25th. Go at ahead. the Rusty Nail in Ardmore, PA, we will be at the Jug Handle this week, this Friday, in Maple Shade, New Jersey, Route 73. I'm sorry, is that okay for me No, to do that? I want you to yes. plug everything. Go ahead. But the Rusty Nail on May 25th will be an entire Jimi Hendrix show. This is 2019, though. Go ahead. Yes, okay. <laughs> this will be going on forever. Yes, we will be at the Jug Handle in Excellent Chicken Wings. And I'd also, I also like to... Uh, I'd also like to put in a, a plug for Mr. Harry Penn, whose studio that we practice in, where we're going tonight, as a matter of fact. Okay. And uh, excellent studio, all backline equipment, comfortable couch, everything. Harry Penn Studios in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Okay. Good. You don't mind. I mean, now we. He's got, I also wanted to mention my drummer who passed away this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Double D, Daryl Stoltes, right. uh, was my drummer. He didn't play in the Hendrix Tributes, but he played in Axis. Right. Double D, with God rest his soul, we're doing a tribute to him at the Public House in Lumberton, New Jersey, on June 29th. June 29th. There'll be a lot of, uh, lot of musicians my there. Oh, yeah, I hope you come out, man. Come out! There'll be a lot of bands there, man, because we're going tribute to Double D, Daryl Stoltes. We right. call him Double D. Excellent drummer. God rest his soul and God comfort his family. Right, country what he did like he country. did country western. I'm the one that broke him into rock music. He'll tell yeah. you that he knew it before, but he knew nothing about. It. He played country western. Uh, can't think of the name of the bands, but been in a lot of bands. He he was in a Johnny Cash tribute band. Double D did he was play in, with his brother or something? Did someone told me that uh, Sean Ryan didn't he? Sean Ryan, yes, Sean Ryan. Is uh yeah Sean Ryan and uh, to Coney Noise. Yeah, well he was on. I already interviewed him too. <laughs> yeah, Sean Ryan, whose daughter won the. Uh, yes, 
She won a, a contest. Trying to get her on here, too. Yes. <laughs> yes, she's a big star. She won a million dollars. And, uh, yeah, she did. I wish I could win that a That was good back. money back then. It's good money today. <laughs> Give me a million dollars. I'd sell it for a thousand right now. <laughs> yeah, we would. It is what it is. I mean, I... Uh, so, I mean, I enjoy it, man. I mean, it's the only thing I know how to do, you know. Uh, I can't drive a truck, can't fix a car, I don't know how to build a house. I mean, and B.B. King himself told me, himself told me. Oh. This type of, yes, he told I met B.B., I met a lot. B.B. Oh. King himself told me, he says, Eddie, this is, a, this, is a, this is a profession that you can do till you're 80 years old. And he did. It's not construction, <laughs> okay? It's not right. football or yeah. anything like that. You don't you can't get too old for this, and he hoped that he and he did do it till the day that he died. He did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You met BB King. Yes, where, I did. Where man. was that? Yes, that was an electric factory, and also I followed him. I was on his bus, his tour bus, and I rode with him from the electric factory to Adams Mark Hotel with Mike Fachesky. He was the one that hooked that up. <laughs> That's the reason why I'm doing that. BB. Mike Fachesky. You know, and I and if I'm getting them in trouble, you know, I just had to do it, Mike, because you were so instrumental in my life. You know, they were supposed to to to, to cut ties with me because, and I'll never forgive them for. I played with uh, Billy Cox of the Band of Gypsies at the Cafe Wild, had video and everything. Right. And, and they they wouldn't they won't give it to me because it's a con. I was told it's a conflict of interest. Because now they want they want to promote Kiss the Sky, and I'm I'm good with it, man. I mean, right. let them go. I mean, like I said, around here, there's only me, Stretch, with the Jimi Hendrix Review, and he's I don't think he's playing too much anymore. I think there's another guy, but I think that I'm the only one. I know that I'm the best around here. Randy Hansen is the best. Some people will argue with me. You can Randy tell you, Hansen? Like, Randy Hansen is the best at it, people. He's the best at it. Why he's not in the Billy Cox uh, Experience Hendrix tour? He's I a, know the reason why that is because they don't like him because he's friends with Leon Hendrix. Leon Hendrix is the enemy to the Janie Hendrix camp. To Experience <laughs> Hendrix, she won the court case. She has control, and she's doing a fine job. But we don't like her because she's not really Jimmy's sister, okay? And she's, you know, it is what it is. Billy Cox explained to me, he said, listen, we don't like Randy Hansen because Randy Hansen has got the voodoo curse, Miss Brenda Cox told me, Billy Cox. Voodoo, voodoo church where you take his life so seriously. They say that Randy talks like Jimmy, dresses like him. When he's not playing, he tries to be Jimi Hendrix, tries to be him. Right. Like his voice, mannerisms, his clothes, tries to act like him and they don't like that. Yeah. But gee, that's what you want, he's obsessed Maybe that's he's, why he's, he's the best. He's in character all the he's time. He's always in character. <laughs> and I and I met him. I got a chance to play with him at the Keswick Theater in 2013, I think it was. Yes, I met Randy Hansen. I'm looking for... Oh. I met him. This is not weed. This is cigarette. But I met okay, him. Okay, we can To me, him. Randy Hansen is the best at Jimi Hendrix tribute. Who's... Where... Um, where's... He did it first. He's the first one to do it. He started doing it in 72. Oh, okay. Randy Hansen is the first, and he's the best. He's got the best licks. Then you got Danny Robinson. 
There's more? Uh, yes, Danny Robinson. He's over in uh, Europe right now. Danny Robinson. Look him up. He's got a tribute band. Uh, I think, in my opinion, as far as the tone and the aura, I think that I have it. If you can go on YouTube and look up me, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Cafe Wild 2013, on YouTube, you'll see 55 minutes and 9 seconds of my performance. Okay. And I've, I haven't seen any other better than Randy Hansen. Now, we got Mike Jones out in L.A. I want to plug him. <laughs> and then you got Anthony Johnson, who looks incredibly like Jimi Hendrix. Left-handed and everything. Uh, but a lot of people think if you wear the witch hat and you're black and you play left-handed, no, that's not enough. You have to have the tone. You have to have the aura. You have to have it. If you don't, if you just, you might as well be an Ernie Isley tribute. No disrespect to Ernie Isley. Okay. Yeah, but I a lot of guys, they do it because you play loud and you got a strat that doesn't make you, doesn't make you a tribute, man. No. You don't have to. I also like to plug Tarkas, the Emerson Lake and Palmer tribute band. Tarkas. Yes. Heard they, of them. Nothing like. They look well, that's, nothing that's so like. Wrong. Nothing like Emerson Lake. The keyboard player, Mr. Keith Turner. He's a black guy with cute little chubby cheeks. Looks nothing like Keith Emerson, but plays just like him. There is a band like that, huh? There's Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. The tribute bands are all the rage now. I know the Van Halen one they said. They got Clone clone Temple Pilots. Clone. Clone (laughs) Temple. Excellent. I played with them at the Golden Nugget Casino at the Fake Fest. You got Van Halen Nation. But nobody does Sammy. They only imitate Dave, which is a hard thing to do. What's his Romeo Delight? Romeo's Delight, yes. I had the pleasure of playing with them and jamming with them at Jameson's Bar and Grill. Wow. Yes, Romeo's Delight. My bass player played with him, Mr. John Benuzzi. John Benuzzi, I've been seeing him yes. on your videos a lot. John Benuzzi, he's been with me for 14 years. He's an excellent, uh, he's been with me, you know. He can play anything. Yes, just about. Just about uh, late. Stanley Clark. Well, yes. He, you know. <laughs> Johnny Boy, he'll tell you that I taught Johnny Boy how to play the blues. He'll tell you that. He's got to admit that, Johnny Boy. You know, I'd also like to mention our first bass player, God rest his soul, Scott Wilson. Right. Jimmy Jackson, you know, was very difficult to work with, but always gave me a great show. Um, outstanding. Mr. Timmy Douglas, I'd like to mention him. If he's, uh, hopefully he'll listen to him. And, and Steve K, Steve Kwiatkowski, who plays with the Suzette Dorsey uh, band. Suzette does an excellent Tina Turner review. Wow. Go to see them. Tina, so she won't do anything from Ike because she hates Ike Turner. She has she just loves Tina so much <laughs> that she's going to hate Ike Turner too. And she doesn't do anything from the I, I think she might have changed her mind. I think Steve and them might have changed her mind. But she told me she will never do anything from the Ike days. Oh. She only does post Ike, you know. Wait a minute, what Simply that, uh... the best. Dee dee, better than all the rest. You got to do yeah. that. Yeah, Yeah, well, You got to do that. Well, you have to. Rolling well, on the river. Well, see, <laughs> according to Susie, she hates Ike Turner. <laughs> But I think she might be doing it now because she's got the girls, you know, the Ikeettes. Okay. She has that. And we all know what Ike did with them girls. But she has Ike, she has dance. read the book. Yes. When, <laughs> when, Suzette, when Susie does a big venue, she puts the whole band out there. She's got the three dancers, the girls in the back, and the moves. 
Outstanding. Wow. Outstanding. Tribute bands, you got to watch it. I mean, they're all tribute. They don't if play. If they sound good, they got to play one. You got it. Well, band. you're limited. But fortunately, Pick Jimmy them. did a lot of covers himself at his shows. Fortunately. Well, Bob Dylan. Yes. Along the sure, watchtower. of course. <laughs> hey Joe by Joe Roberts. He didn't write that. I didn't know that. No, most of his big, hey Joe, he didn't write that. All Along the Watchtower, we know he didn't I know write that. that. All Along the Watchtower was his only top ten hit in the United States. Jimmy only had one. All right, anyway. We're going to wrap it up. That's Harry there coming. <laughs> He's outside now. All right, so yeah. uh, we're going to wrap it up. Yes, sir. So, um... Thank you for coming on. Um, very Thank you, sir. Happy you were we here. We went an hour. Look, we went an hour. We could probably do a part two. No problem, dude. I enjoyed <laughs> it. I just didn't want to talk up the talk up the thing. Let me know when you're off. I didn't want to talk off. So, um, there he is. I want to thank Eddie and then... Uh, Outstanding, sir. Maybe we'll see him again sometime, but this has been a great interview. And good luck to you, Eddie. We'll talk to you again.